This is episode number 484 with filmmaker and adventurer Tim Noonan. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Theodore Roosevelt said, big jobs usually go to men who prove their ability to outgrow small ones. Welcome to today's episode. I'm excited about this one because I interview a guy that I just found out about recently who went on an adventure for two years to discover all of the most intense rituals that men go through around the world to become men, that boys go through to become men. And his name is Tim Noonan. He's a filmmaker, producer, reporter, and cameraman. And he decided again to embark on this lifelong journey to learn what it means to be alive by exploring the life experiences of people across the globe in his new TV show, which is called Rite of Passage, is a 12-part series documenting his self-discovery to unlock what it means to be the ultimate man. Now, he met with the world's toughest men in the world's toughest places to experience their different rites of passage where boys become men, from earning the tribe's trust to their cultural rituals and initiations. He endured grueling tests of pain to prove himself and earn their respect. I was fascinated by the stories that he told. You're going to hear it in my voice because some of the things he did are quite honestly shocking. And I don't know if I'd put myself through the experiences that he did. This is a powerful topic for me, as most of you know, that I've been doing research over the last couple of years about the mask of masculinity, which is the topic of my new book. And you guys can go pre-order it right now on Amazon at lewishouse.com slash mask. So this is, again, something I'm excited about diving into more. And I was fascinated hearing the rituals and routines that boys go through to become men. So again, check out my new book that comes out in a few months. You can pre-order it right now at lewishouse.com slash mask. And some of the things we cover are what would you say to women about how to support men in their lives? How can women support men in their lives to become better men? Also, of all the initiations that Tim had to go up against, which one he decided not to actually go through with? Also, why a lot of these manhood rituals are fading away and why they're fading away. What we've lost in our society by letting our rituals go. The truth about how important challenges are to our healthy development as human beings in general and so much more. Guys, I was fascinated again by the stories you're about to hear. Before we dive in, I want to give a shout out to our iTunes review of the week. This is from Ashton Blair, who said, I randomly stumbled upon this podcast on a day when I was feeling pretty low. I had no motivation. I was frustrated with so much and all around grouchy. And within 15 minutes of listening to the first podcast, I was hooked. I started going through listening to older podcasts and as well as the new ones. And I felt myself get more inspired each day. I love coming into work and being able to listen not only to Lewis's story and journey, but to be influenced by some of the greatest people in the world that he interviews. I wish I found this guy sooner. So thankful for this podcast that's motivating me to live out my full potential. So Ashton 
Blair, thank you so much for being the review of the week. And if you would like to be considered as a review of the week, then make sure to go to iTunes.com slash greatness and leave a review right now. And without further ado, let's dive into this episode with the one, the only, Tim Noonan. So many of us love coffee, like the living for it type of love. Some like it hot, some like it iced with a splash of creamer, and some like it with a cold foam topping. Many of us stop into coffee shops on our way to work more often than we'd like to admit. But now, thanks to International Delight Cold Foam Creamer, you can make cold foam coffee at home, or in my team's case, in the office, and it's a game changer. I was just chatting with a teammate of mine about our love for the occasional sweet treat coffee. Sometimes, it's just the thing you need as a pick-me-up on a busy day and we just stocked our office fridge with international delight cold foam creamer and it never misses the team's favorite flavor so far is the caramel macchiato you just shake the canister and spray it into your coffee and voila you've got an incredible cold foam coffee no frothing fancy machines or mess required international delight cold foam creamer foams and creams your coffee from top to bottom the best part it works on both hot and iced coffee it comes in three foaming delicious flavors, French vanilla, sweet and creamy, and caramel macchiato, so you can switch things up depending on your mood. Look for your favorite flavor next time you're at your grocery store, and be prepared to say goodbye to your barista. International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. It's foaming delicious. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. We've got Tim Noonan in the house. Good to see you, man. You too, Lewis. I'm excited about this. A mutual friend of ours forwarded me a video trailer of a TV show that you have, and it's on a topic about manhood masculinity. It's called Rite of Passage, and I watched the trailer, not sure what I was going to see, but I remember being just wowed by it, and so inspired by the journey you were taking and also what you were learning along the way and what you could share with all of us. And in a nutshell, share with us what Rite of Passage is and why you started to to go on this journey. So I guess uh, to put it into perspective, uh, I I basically left a cozy, cushy job in the city. To in chase, Sydney. Sydney. In Sydney, Australia, yeah. Uh, as a journalist, um, to chase a dream. I, I wanted to create my own rite of passage, <laughs> design a rite of passage to become a man in my own eyes. Um, it really wasn't for anyone else. So I literally just got a map, picked t- 12 of these crazy uh, places, some of the most remote locations on earth, um, where they had these initiations uh, that were still culturally intact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I set about visiting each one of them to try to put myself through their own initiation, their own rite of passage um, that existed in these tribal communities um, and see if I could match it with the men. Uh, and it was, yeah, like I mean, you can't, you just can't plan or script that sort of adventure. <laughs> now, where are some of the locations and what were some of the challenges? So, we, yeah, we, we, I've, I started the journey off going into Siberia. I literally caught a train as far as you possibly could to go live with these reindeer herders who spend their life on the ice uh, near the North Pole and they live entirely off reindeer and they're some of the toughest guys. They live off um, reindeer. They live off the reindeer. They wear reindeer furs. They uh, they eat raw reindeer for breakfast, lunch and dinner. I saw you eating raw reindeer. Yeah, right? right. Yeah. So they, raw um, meat. Raw meat. Yeah, there's... there's well, they do cook it sometimes, okay. but you know, 
part of being a man there is having to you know, sub- learn to survive uh, the biting cold. I mean, nothing can prepare you for existing in minus 40 degrees. It's just brutal. And they, they were some of the most stoic, tough men, but yet could still smile at the end of the day, never complain. They have to pack up and move every three days uh, and learn to love and care for these reindeer. But then ultimately you've got to take a reindeer's life. Shut and, up. And I, I'd never killed an animal before, you know. So to do actually go through that uh, process and have to confront it, look it in its eyes um, to survive and eat. And then, then it gets, you know, more confronting because then, it, you know, the animal will be sitting on the ice and you've got, they literally cut it up and you start drinking the blood and eating, eating the raw liver and all the rest of it. And it's, it's really intense. But that was just the beginning. The first initiation. Yeah. So you're, they're taking care of the reindeer. Yeah. They're like, they love help, their reindeer. They, they love the reindeer. They exist on from the reindeer. So it's like a symbiotic. Oh my gosh. So they're like pets. Essentially, yeah, yeah, they they're are. They're taking pets. care of yeah, them. They, they're that, grazing them. Absolutely. Are they also kind of working reindeer? They're like helping move things. Yeah, or, well, they migrate, so they spend their lives yeah. migrating up wow. what's called the Yamal Peninsula. I mean, it's so remote. Just to get there, we had to take it's an like ex- the North Pole or something. Yeah, well, we had to take an ex-Soviet tank, and then <laughs> we were looking for these uh, nomads uh, in in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and then we got uh, literally, it took us three days by snowmobile. Um, just in, straight into the, the three days to get there. Yeah, on the on the tundra, and when you look around, there's no markings to show where you are uh, in the middle of Siberia. It's like the middle of nowhere. Um, but somehow they managed to navigate their way, find their way to this encampment, wow. and then they follow, they literally just follow the reindeer as they graze up and down this peninsula. It's just uh, how many men are there? Uh, they normally live in family groups, so like sometimes there might be three. Chum or four chum, which is their version of a teepee. Got it. And um, and so we lived and filmed. So it was just me and and one other guy that uh, I filmed with, who was my editor. Um, and he packed everything in to come on this journey with me. And we literally were sleeping <laughs> cheek to jowl with like six dogs, a family <laughs> under reindeer skins and stuff for six weeks. Wow. So it was it was pretty hectic. And then eventually, um, our guide. Had to leave to go back for another for another job. We were left without a translator, oh so we gosh. shot this whole episode um, trying to communicate with um, without translation. But something magical happens then. You know, you start working out. Um, you can read people just with with looks and somehow have a conversation with no words at all. Wow, it's fascinating. But that was just the beginning. We then went and so know, the rite of passage for that was having, killing a reindeer and drinking its blood yeah. and eating its liver and earning the right just to be considered a man out there. I mean, they spend all night out in the freezing cold as a 14-year-old trying to make sure that none of the reindeer escape and look after the herd. Wow. Um, from wolves and things like that as well. But, yeah, and, and if they escape into, you know, reindeer escape into a neighboring herd, then now it's how, disastrous. Right. Now, how do they uh, kill the reindeer? Because Is it emotional for them or is it just like a quick slit of the wrist? And- no, they actually – it's it's quite – Full on, um, but strangely peaceful. They they actually strangle the reindeer, so oh you have gosh. to sit there and hold the rope. No, um, yeah, but look, you know, like I, I'd rather do that it's than the quickest way, or is it? It's kind of the most peaceful way. That they, they don't want to uh, waste a drop of blood. Every drop is precious wow. to them because that's how no, they get there's their. There's no vegetables and, or fruit or what? Like how do they? Um, occasionally they'll go. You know, on their way, there's a like a, a little village on their migration. They'll stop and they'll get supplies. Wow. Um, and try to measure how much they'll need for the you know for months and months at a time. 
but you know there's no way that they can just scoot on back and pick up milk from the corner store or anything any supplies they need they got to survive out there off of the reindeer yeah i mean it wasn't just reindeer sometimes there was fish as well but they'd drop a line down pull up some fish from beneath the ice and literally freeze it and then for breakfast they'd get the fish cut it in half and there you go you'd eat it raw no way (laughs) yeah wow man so but you know that for me that was a i'd gone straight into the deep end because i didn't (laughs) a know how i'd survive out there whether or not i'd come back with a film at all um so to to go off there chasing a dream and then pop out the other side that was a manning up mission in its own Mm. right what was the biggest lesson you learned in that experience about manhood um god look i think it was probably actually having to confront the killing of of an animal and probably also um surviving just surviving that whole experience i mean for me at that time uh i think a lot of people leaving a very cushy job in the city uh and wanting to go off and have an experience and record it i think a lot of people probably had thought maybe it wouldn't wouldn't be able to do it. So for me, I had a lot of self-doubt. Mm-hmm. So emerging out the other side, having accomplished it and forming this incredible bond and earning the trust of and respect of these men in these really harsh conditions, I did feel like more of a man. Mm. Um, and it sort of set the stage for what, what followed. Right. Wow. And so what, yeah. were, what were a couple of other memorable... Moments? Moments and rituals. So um, we went to... Mongolia, and I learned I had to trap and train a golden eagle to catch a fox in the wild. You had to train an eagle, golden eagle, yeah, like enormous. You had to trap it, yeah, trap it and train a golden eagle. How do you trap an eagle, (laughs) a wild eagle? Uh, So what they do is they, it's got actually a a bigger story. So we we got there, we hit, hit Mongolia. And I met my mentor who already had an eagle. He had, a, had this golden eagle. It's almost like a dog for 10 years. Wow. Um, and I was going to use this eagle to hunt um, at the traditional way for boys to become men. They, you know, the part of the right is for them to be able to, you know, fly a golden eagle to be able to catch a Corsac wow. fox. So we went on this extreme migration and the temperature got so low that his eagle died no. after – uh, 10 years he'd had this year, so, <laughs> so uh, on the back of a camel it was devastating oh so we it becomes like a, a like a child probably or like a pet absolutely. right like a, yeah and it lives in the house oh with, no you know, with the family so it was oh. devastating and then he said look stay with me and we'll we'll catch and we'll uh trap and we'll train an eagle um be with me on this adventure and so oh. we did and we committed to staying with him uh and yeah, we we he taught me from A to B the whole process, and it was just the most unbelievable experience. I mean, nothing can prepare you for a golden eagle flying towards you with these enormous talons that could pierce your skin like the ultimate predator. It's just huge, and it and it and yet it would land on you, land on your arm uh, with in the most tender way, really, uh, and be your mate. And so you know, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. So, how do you attract it to come land on you in the first place? Do you have like food? Yeah, hanging? yeah, you yeah. have like a rat or something. Yeah, and you're yeah. Like rabbit, actually. <laughs> a rabbit. Yeah. You're dangling in the air. Yeah, a little bit of rabbit. When you see an eagle, you're just like. No, no. So you catch it by actually stuffing a rabbit, and then you put it on a mountain, um, a peak of a mountain, just flapping in the breeze. So it's a stuffed a rabbit. rabbit. Yeah, and the and the eagle. That's how it, the term eagle eye. It's because they can see for miles and miles. It's the sharpest eye. 
And so then they'll spot the, the slightest bit of movement on these barren mountains, fly down, land on the rabbit, and beneath that's a, uh, a, a, a trap. A trap, yeah, which is covered catches in it. felt to catch it, yeah. Catches its legs or something? Yeah, catches its legs. And but, then what? It's like flaring around trying to get out? Yeah, but then at that point we come in and uh, and then start showing the eagle lots of love and attention. And the eagle hunters traditionally will keep their birds for um, you know about – Oh, actually, it really is only about 10 years, 10, 15 years, and then they'll let the eagle go back off into the wild. But it does become part of the family, and the bond that you form with an eagle, uh, well, it's just hard to top that. Yeah. 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 So we actually came, we own an eagle hunting wait, competition. So you, wait second. <laughs> wow, wait a minute. So does, you give it a lot of love. Is it like trying to bite you and scratch you, or what, like, um, how do you yeah, put your it, face next to it and kiss it? It's got a... Yeah, like in, you, initially, it? but then what what happens is you bring it into the house and you shower it with affection and shower it with love and you just keep patting it, patting it, patting it. You're touching, until, you're patting and it. And you feed it and, until it realizes that um, it, you, humans and you, you're not going to be a foe, but you want to be its best friend. Wow. And, it, and then eventually. It, what if it bites you? Well then, yeah, they do. <laughs> in in the first instance, yeah, that you got to be careful because wow. I mean, I had this eagle. They put a little hood on the eagle to cover its eyes to keep it calm. Yes. Um, and then I was learning to take the the hood on and off. Oh my gosh! And uh, and I was just looking at this <laughs> terrifying his mouth just sitting there about to peck my eye out. Oh and, my gosh! Uh, but it didn't, you know. And then I don't know. It's one of those those things. It's just that that bond between animal and Bird, wow. bird and human is something you can't can't really describe. That's it's like a amazing. horse. Like in, in in Venezuela, I had to tame a bucking bronco, and um, and that was an experience because I'd never ridden a horse before. Oh man! So to see this wild stallion uh, in the uh, on the open plains going crazy, go, yeah. And then I had to sit on this this horse and it bucking bucking me off, you know, countless times, um, and surviving that until you finally form this bond with this horse. Um, it's just something I'll never forget. Um, but yeah, like we, we did, I mean, there was 12 different initiations and they ranged from everything in Brazil. Like the men would scale up into the tree canopy to prove their manhood and hit an enormous wasp nest and suffer these stings. Oh, I saw all that. Everybody. Yeah. That looks terrifying. Yeah. I mean, that's I've, my biggest nightmare. Yeah. Have Wait, you been so stung you look, by a bee before? I've been stung by a bunch at one time. Oh, wow. When I was a kid and it was like miserable. Horrendous. Yeah, it was miserable. But you go yeah. up and you initiate. Deliberately do it. And it's all about confronting the fear. Oh, my of gosh. knowing that you're going to experience. Go through extreme pain. Extreme pain. Yeah. So, you climb the tree. Well, look, so, as part of <laughs> part of being a man is learning when to walk away. Mm. And so, he, he was actually at that point, I'd done so many initiations that when it came I'd already and I'd hit a small wasp nest and I got annihilated. So the final event in this particular episode was hitting a nest that was almost a meter and a bit big and I was looking up at it and I'm just going, No, it's just not worth the risk because if you fall from the tree canopy, which was three stories high. So you have to hold um, yourself. You're not strapped in there anymore. No, 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 no. So you have to hang on while you're getting while stung. While you're getting stung, you can't swat anything. And if you get stung on the nose, you fall from the canopy because you black out. Because so, it's that powerful. Yeah. I mean, I watched – and also I'd seen these guys. I'd filmed a, a group of initiates being stung prior to that. And I'd watched them suffer for hours, crying, hours and hours on end, thinking they were going to die. So for me, <laughs> to put myself through that again, I'd, oh my I'd sort of – Oh, my gosh. I'd proven to myself <laughs> – 
<laughs> you were man enough. I at was that man point. enough, so I did. I chose to walk away. I still wanted to have kids and get married and have a family, and I just wasn't worth the risk. Oh my gosh! But yeah. you did like a small one. You like I did a small one, yeah. But still had like a hundred wasps in it or something. Oh yeah, right? look, it was no, like- more than that. But you know, it was only only that big. But they were still stinging the crap out of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you could at least run away as opposed to like fall exactly hundred <laughs> foot yeah, trees. Only. It was only sort of head level, so that was okay. Oh my gosh, um, man! I'm just trying to think. So there was another part in Brazil where another tribe, where they boys become men by um, suffering extreme fatigue and exhaustion to bring them to a delirious point where they see a vision of their future. Wow! And so that was another place, and that at, in that tribe, they were the toughest guys around, really tough, but also gentle giants. Mm. Um, and yeah, so it was a it was a wild ride. Um. My career not only requires me to travel, but also gives me the freedom to. Traveling has brought me so many positive experiences and memories. Like that time I spent the holidays at an Airbnb in Big Bear with some of my extended family, and it was the perfect way to come together and connect with my family that I don't see that often. If you have a similar setup that allows you to travel often, have you ever thought about your empty home while you're gone? More specifically, how you can make some extra money by keeping your home occupied while you're out of town. I'm a big advocate for setting up a side hustle to give you an extra stream of income and Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start. Many people host on Airbnb, including some friends of mine, but there are some people out there who've never even realized their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you've got yourself an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What was the most painful experience? Oh. To to go through yourself and to also watch. The most painful was I got. I mean, I'd never been in a fight before, mm. and part of the initiation in that same tribe in Brazil was you had to confront another rival clan member with a club. Uh, a club, a club, yeah. So like we had a wooden bat. Yeah, well, it wasn't wooden. It was like a root of a tree. So everybody okay. gets given a root, like a bamboo type of. Yeah, a bit tougher than a bamboo. Okay. bamboo. Wow, club, but yeah. And that was intense. And so, you just beat each other as hard as you can. Yeah, until one gives in. In the face and the head is okay? Uh, not in the, the head. Rules, head's or? out of bounds. Um, but you can, anywhere on the side of the body, you're allowed to hit. But not in the groin. Not in the groin. But <laughs> when wow. you see somebody walking towards you and he's about to hit you with a club, there's no turning back. You've, you have to Are fight. Are you in like a there's circle no- <laughs> of like... Yeah, circle every- and everybody's chanting and cheering. <sighs> And uh, it's and like so, the UFC outside. You yeah, know? It's like but for beat real, the crap out of each other. So I broke a rib. Oh, um, that's the worst feeling ever. Yeah, because they matched me with a guy. It's actually designed. Normally, they put um, the younger kids in to sort of toughen them up, and it's and the fathers, you know, uh, guide them into the ring, and it's a clan on clan thing. So you don't want to disappoint your clan. So you're um, against another clan. Yeah, you're against a oh rival clan. Oh my gosh! So my host family, you know, I didn't want to disappoint them and. So it was, a, it was an honor thing for me, right? Um, and so when, yeah, I mean, it, I, I, because I film it myself, so I'd set up the camera, and uh, I put my mate behind it, and then I got back into position, and I thought, okay, it's really going to happen, <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm in this fight, and uh, you never yeah, fought before, I never fought before, and so yeah, I broke a rib, and um, and then I thought I'd actually broken my arm as well, but. 
yeah, it was that's all part of it. See, where we went, there was no. Did you get a good shot at at least? Yeah, that? yeah, I did. <laughs> well, the funny the funny thing about that sequence was. I, I was so high on adrenaline, I didn't realize I was hurt. Of and course. I came back around, I looked through the lens and uh, I realized I was smiling through the whole shot. And I thought, oh, no, I've got to, got to do this again. So, <laughs> I went back into the ring. Oh and gosh. at that point, um, I, had a, I had a second round with this guy. And he was, I mean, I broke like five, five clubs over this, this fella. And he just kept coming. He wasn't hurt at all. Um, was he bigger than you, same size? He was the same same size as me. So, the, yeah, they matched me up with somebody that was my size, my strength, a bit younger. They usually um, put someone who's, like, stronger than you or what? Like the fathers would or? Oh, no, no. It's a pretty even match. Okay, got it. Yeah. yeah. He was younger. Yeah, he was younger, tougher. Sure. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. That was the most pain. That was definitely the most painful. Yeah. More than the wasps. I mean, I've, been, I've had my ears pierced with, like, a puma bone in the same tribe um, oh. because all of these places, they sort of have the mark of a man. So once you've gone through the process of confronting your what they perceive to be their greatest fear, um, they, usually, they usually sort of get reintegrated back into the community with that mark of a man. And in that case, it was getting your ears pierced. Um, in some places I was scarred. Um, they took, took to me with a razor like an, and, um, and a knife. In other places, it was a more just like a physical challenge. Um, but yeah, it's really it was really interesting to to me. Uh, people often say like, "Do you feel like more of a man now you've gone off and done this?" And I guess the the short answer is yes, um, because I guess as a kid, I never probably felt quite tough enough. Um, you never did. No, I don't. I don't think so. Well, so you grew up in Australia. So yeah. <laughs> So for me, it was quite it was kind of important, but you don't certainly everybody doesn't need to go off and jump on wild bulls and horses and crazy things to prove their manhood. You could do it um, in normal everyday city life. Should we have to prove our manhood in the first place as men? Um, that's a really good question. No, but I think you need to prove to yourself. I mean, it's changing, isn't it? Like once upon a time, we were warriors, and we'd have to hunt and provide. You know, and and uh, and protect the the village or the the clan we were in. But that's what these people are still doing. That's what these the people are still you doing. To, yeah, right? the tribes, the people that are. Yeah, they still have to protect, provide, make sure there's food, shelter, well, safety. Well, not to right? the same extent because, like, I guess there's no sort of. I mean, unless you go to some places in Africa, they're not warring each other. Mm, right. Certainly in Africa, there are still places where that happens. But for a large, in a large part, especially that today uh, in the Western world, that's. It's, I think men are probably more confused now about their place and how they should prove themselves, if at all. Um, for me, it was a personal thing. I felt like I, you know, depend, growing up with farmers all around me, uh, you know, guys that weren't afraid to get their hands dirty uh, and things like that, I think I'd always felt like it was something that I needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, was, it wasn't about anyone else. It was about myself. Yeah, I think, like... Young boys, in particular, like it, it, it's, it's good to have. Uh, I mean, for, for girls, there's no greater rite of passage than for me to have a child, because mm. I can't think of any more in, extreme initiation right. um, that I would have ever, you know, ever have been through. Yeah. But for guys, uh, it seems like what what intrigues me is that all around the world in these remote parts, it's not like they everybody had a convention. They got together and they said. 
how do we turn boys into men? They all did it in separate ways. And it was all about this whole separation from being a very dependent child. You know, you grow up completely dependent on your parents. And it's about killing that boy to become a man mm. in these places. So they separate. It's all about separation. They separate the boys from their parents and they put them in a men's hut and they teach them the ways of manhood in their society. So they'll teach them how to be with a woman. They'll tell them, you know, according to them. They'll tell them how to survive on their own, how to protect, how to provide, how to um, make decisions, assess risk, um, raise a family and all those things. And then... There's always, in these tribal places, there's always this certain obstacle that they have to overcome that they've feared since they were young. Mm -hmm. And they, during this process, when they're separated and they're in this men's hut, they're told about this. And it's always the lead, the lead up to this event that's worse than the actual initiation themselves, without a doubt. Every time It's the for anticipation. Me. It's oh, the, the thought of it, what could go wrong or what... The build-up, right? Yeah, for me, and for me, it couldn't have been more so because a lot of these cultures I had no clue about how I was ever going to, say, had to crawl, crawl down into a snake's lair to provide <laughs> and, and, and wrestle a monster python out what? to provide food for a tribe. So nothing can quite prepare you for, for overcoming that. bit by a snake. You don't get bit, you, you have to pull it out um, to because they don't have any animals um, that they live with. There's no other meat. So they eat the snake they meat. They eat snake So you meat. put your hand down a hole. Well, you actually crawl head first what? into the snake's lair. Yeah. Why? Well, that's, that's just crazy. Yeah, it's just part of <laughs> What if it bites you the face? Well, exactly. And that's 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 the risk. In fact, actually, some of part of it was putting – I had to put my leg down a snake hole uh, and they would the snake would have to eat – like swallow my leg and then what? The, then the boys would pull my leg out. No, I did not. Yeah, it swallowed and your leg. You actually bend your knee after it swallowed your leg, and then they everybody. Pulls, you got a python. Yeah, on your leg. Swallow your leg. I didn't actually because uh, something bit me and it ended up being a tortoise. <laughs> yeah, but um, turtle bit you. Yeah, so in in the end that hurts. We went to another hole. And uh, and that, that hole was big enough for me to crawl down, so I actually had to crawl down into the snake's lair. Wait a minute. The hole is uh, the snake made the hole that you could crawl down. Well, it was that big. No. So what happens is the, the snake eats a jackal and overtakes the jackal's lair. Uh, so oh when I was gosh. crawling down into this, in this snake's lair, there was, I actually was finding bones. Oh, my goodness. Like giant bones. And I'm thinking, God, I hope that's not his last lunch. But So did he get your leg? No, snake. no, not in the end, thank God. God. <laughs> but uh, usually that's the initiation. They have to put their leg down there or their arm to get it caught. Yeah. Well, that is terrifying. Historically, that's how they would do it. These days, um, a lot of the men actually just use traps because a okay. lot of these. Smarter. Yeah, a lot of these <laughs> traditions are actually fading away in, a lot, in these places because there's, there's virtually nowhere on earth left without Facebook. Right. So the modern world's starting to move in. And a lot of this, these ways of you know, turning boys into men are fast being lost mm. um and you know i think identity is everything and if you don't have that cultural identity of where you've grown up um then i think it's a real shame so part of actually shooting this series was about capturing these um these customs and traditions before they disappear forever but once you've overcome that obstacle that you feared often the boys will get reintegrated back into the community with a new name they've overcome this extraordinary fear that they've had um, and they, ninety nine percent of the time, they've emerged feeling like self, 
Like they're confident men, mm-hmm. they're capable of looking after themselves. Wow. And there's like rituals are, are quite important, I think. Anyway, I mean that's just my opinion, but you know we we've lost that. You know, we as in this society, we'll go off and we'll, um, you know, maybe you'll write a passage. Might have been to go out and well, was play football, but mm-hmm. to to drink for the first time and survive that twenty first when mm-hmm. you when you go out with your mates, or it might be going out on a gap year and traveling the world. Um, but you come back and there's no real ceremony to to yeah. celebrate that, and you're not really seen as a man at that point. Right. It's up to you here in the Western world to to decide that you're capable. And I guess for some, for a lot of guys, it's probably when they have a child, that's mm. the moment they become a man. Right. They step in, they have a responsibility, they yeah. move forward, yeah. But in these cultures, there's a ritual, there's a ceremony that surrounds that moment and it's a really clear, defined path. Was there a same age for all these like no. rituals, like 10, 15, 20? Was no, no, it varied. Like different. some, yeah, totally varied. In, in fact, in in one tribe in West Africa, it didn't it didn't matter when you went through the rite of passage, but at some point in your life as a man, you needed to go through this rite of passage, and it would be for six years, living in the jungle, um, having to provide for um, the elders and and be taught the ways of manhood. So a lot of guys would actually six years on your own. Or no, with no, with the group. With a group of men, just as initiates in the jungle. By yourselves? Yeah. You never well, see your you family? Know, you, you sort of live on the periphery or the uh, perimeter of the village, but you're not allowed to have sex. You're not allowed to talk to women. You've got to stay, always sort of be be not seen or heard. Um, wow. And you've also got to provide every day food and drink. And bring it back to the village. For the, yeah, for the village and for the elders. Wow. It's almost like they're superannuation. Oh, yeah, super. It's just like a level of – it's like – what is it like a mission trip or something almost where you're like going yeah. out for a couple of years and providing or whatever? Yeah, wow, yeah, six years is a long time. Six years is a long time to prove you. It's like becoming a monk. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like you can't touch anyone. You can't look. You know. But the interesting thing was like there was like you know six year old kids <laughs> as initiates, but also <laughs> ranging right up to guys that had avoided becoming a, a man <laughs> in the villagers' eyes. Their whole lives, like were you know in their thirties and oh, um, I mean I I think there was probably even one one guy in his forties. Oh my gosh! Yeah, what is the uh, thing you learned about? It sounds like all these things are overcoming fears. It was a, that's the biggest thing. That's me. it, overcoming fear or pain. Yeah, well, not so yeah, not so much pain because I think it's the fear of the pain that was the, for the me. Build up. Yeah, the biggest thing that I learned on this whole adventure was to embrace uh, challenge um, and try to embrace fear and conquer fear as much as I possibly could because every time I feel that, um, it means that I've got something more to learn. So for me, um, you know, I think as kids we get taught that challenge is bad or challenge is negative, but you don't get taught that that's the only time that you grow. You don't get taught that that adversity is the only way and conquering that adversity is the only way that you can expand yourself Mm -hmm. because if you're only constantly adored and praised, you don't go anywhere, you flatline. So the biggest thing that I tried to preach um, to myself is that every time that little fear bell goes off, that, oh, there's something else I've got to do. Um, And that doesn't mean, again, that doesn't mean you're going to have to go and jump on a bull or do something wild and crazy. 
like in Madagascar, how the boys become men. They jump into a bull pit and have to wrestle a bull. Um, that can be in any any aspect of life. It can be doing an interview or writing a book or chasing your dream or doing something that scares the living daylights out of you. Um, and I know that you're a big campaigner for that and you've mm-hmm. done that multiple times yeah. and you continue to do that. Um, and I think, I mean, do you agree? Is that like the, the bigger message for you? Or? Yeah, for me, I, I've always tried to just overcome all my fears as well, like through self initiation i guess yeah like no one ever gave me like here's the thing to do when i was terrified of talking to women when i was a 15 year old yeah i was like i'm sick and tired of being afraid every time a girl walks by that i'm interested in yeah that i don't know what to say yeah or i i feel insecure or i feel like i'm not good enough Mm. so i was like enough is enough Every single day this summer from school break, I'm going to talk to a girl. I'm going to go up and say hi to a girl that gives me the most butterflies. Wow. Every single day. Yeah. And just say hi Mm -hmm. and then have a conversation and then ask for a number and just like, just to do it. Yeah. Whether like she says hi back or not, like it became irrelevant. Is that how you met? No, no. (laughs) But I did reach out to her through Instagram actually. All right. Um, But I, um, I just got so confident with myself. Like, I don't even remember any of these girls, right? I don't even think I went on, like, I didn't date any of them. I might have went out with a couple of them. But it was just, like, the act of doing it every single day built up such confidence in myself. Mm. Learning how to understand people better. Learning how to connect, relate, communicate. Understanding what people want, what they need. And yep. they're all, everyone's got their own insecurities and fears as well. Yes. And I think just going through the process of it, it allowed me to overcome the fear, you know? And that was the big thing, not feeling crippled that I couldn't do something. What did you learn about yourself at that point? I think at that point, um, I don't know. I have to go back 15, 17 <laughs> years. I think it was just like, you know, that, that people are going to like me or that I'm, you know. So was being liked an important thing for you to comment? Yeah, it was. I didn't have any friends growing up. Yeah. So it was just like, you know, and then girlfriends would have been, was even more terrifying. So mm. it was like, just getting people to be able to feeling like I was good enough to be around people mm. smart enough or funny enough or whatever. So was there a tipping point for you when you found that you felt like you were? Yeah. I think like going into, you know, junior, senior year of high school, like it started to turn. I started to kind of like develop into my body. Cause I was like this tall, goofy looking kid my whole life. Mm. I started to get better and better at sports. And so I just had some accomplishments and had a lot of friends eventually. And, things started to change yeah yeah but i think it was because i was so committed to making a change and overcoming these challenges that i was facing these insecurities and just decided to give myself these own rituals yeah or rites of passage very going through it it's very similar to me yeah yeah it was like self-inflicted you know (laughs) pain but it was powerful and i i i feel like i still do it today like even Eight, nine, ten years ago, I was terrified to speak in public. Yeah. And I was like... Got to do this. I met someone who was an expert at it, who was the the tribal leader of public speaking, right? I, I went and found, like, the, the leader. And he was a professional speaker and spoke all around the world and got paid. And I was just like, what do I need to do? Mm. And he said, you need to go and overcome your fear by going and doing it every single week. Join a club called Toastmasters which is like an international public speaking club yeah, where they facilitate you practicing it. You get up in front of their audience, you practice different things, they give you prompts and they walk you through different styles of public speaking. And I did that every single week for a year and it was terrifying. In the first six months, it was like, 
I wanted to throw up every single time I went. It was so terrifying because everyone was so good and I was the worst person. But I just got better every single week by putting myself through it, by just showing up and just doing my best. By the end of the year, I just felt so much more confident. It was night and day. And I wasn't afraid to stand in front of a room of people that I didn't know and share a message because I put myself through the challenges. I think that's what a lot of us need to do is put ourselves through the challenges that we're most afraid of. Whether we live in a tribe that does it for us, most of us don't have that. And so we should be seeing how can we do this in our own lives. Totally agree. Whatever the fear is, how can we become Batman? You know what I mean? How can we embrace the bats in our life and be one with it? I think a lot of people get pulled back and crippled because of fear. Like the the biggest ripoff, I think, is when people don't chase what something that they might be passionate about mm-hmm. or chase what will truly make them happy. And a lot of people say to me, well, I don't know what my passion is. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't have a passion and that's just simply not true because you don't, you don't have to scratch far to see what they do when they go home, what's surrounding them, what they surround – it's in their office or in in their bedroom. What, what brings them joy, what they like yeah. to you know, smile at the most, what brings them the most laughter, all those things. Yeah, yeah you only have to look back yeah. to find out what you're passionate about. Exactly. And like some people, I think, if, if they say, well, I'm just um, – uh, I, I I just want to be a mum. Well, that's that's brilliant. You could there leave you a, a legacy of uh, of children that will yeah. fulfill their own dreams. I mean, what better yeah. uh, passion would that be? I can't think of much more of a noble Amazing. pursuit. But yeah, but fear is co- conquering fear. I think is one of the biggest and best things that anyone can ever do. Mm. Yeah. What's been the biggest challenge for you um, as a man to define yourself as a man? Um, well, you may have written about it in in your book. I mean, like it's certainly not, uh, I I think I went all the way around the world to realize that actually I was a man all along. I just didn't know it. Uh, so it's not necessarily having to put yourself through brutal initiations where you get hurt. That's not what it's about. It's about conquering your perceptions in your mind about how you see yourself and being cool with yourself uh, and comfortable with who you are. And you can do that in any way possible. Like you can do that in the city if you need to, mm-hmm. just by asking girls out or, right. or doing public speaking or pushing yeah. it, pushing yourself to go for, chase that dream or go and find a job that you truly want to do. Or, um, it, you know, uh, it, it, there's countless ways that you can do it. So I think what I realized about myself, yeah, was that I, I was a, was a man all along, all along, and actually, and the biggest thing I learned was being comfortable with who I was. Mm. Yeah. What's, what's your definition of masculinity? Um, some somebody that uh, is is brave in the sense of conquering fears. I think somebody that's um, that's not afraid to uh, to make decisions and and follow passions and pursue them wholeheartedly um somebody that can treat a women with you know as with utter respect um i think i have like inbuilt perceptions of what it means to be a man from childhood about you know the pillars of being a protector and a provider and i've got those those perceptions of what it means to be a man that I just can't get rid of. Like I still mm. want to take care of my fiance and I want to 
creative family that I'm taking care of. But you know, like one thing I've learned is that sort of rips off her as well because then I'm sort of saying, well, I'm I'm better than you when she's mm. just <laughs> equally uh, as talented and proficient at her career as a journalist as uh, if not better than I am. So, like, if I if I say I want to protect and provide you, I'm I'm sort of cancelling out a um, I'm cancelling out any opportunity she might have to protect and provide for me, um, and to work together to to grow and 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 start a life together. So, yeah, it's constantly evolving and changing. I mean, I think I've dedicated my whole life to documenting. Uh, the rites of passage of of life and manhood and whatever that may bring or mean. The, the day I figured that out was the day I wasn't scared of anything because I thought, well, you know, one of my major passions is filmmaking. So I thought, well, I could just document anything that went wrong. Like it doesn't matter what happens, I can document it. Uh, and then I, hopefully I can share that and inspire people at the same time. And so – yeah, that for me that was a real release because then I mm. I wasn't scared at all. In fact, any adversity, any challenge that came my way, it's an opportunity for me as fodder to to explore myself and then share whatever I've learnt with other people to mm. inspire them to do the same thing. Yeah. If you had sixty seconds to say a message to every man in the world, child, adult, teen, boy, man in the world, and they were all connected to headsets right now. And they all put on the headsets, and they had a direct line to your your mic. And you had sixty seconds to tell them something about how they should be thinking about themselves as a man. Wow, that's a big. And they could all understand you. <laughs> they could all understand you in their own language. And you were, had to say a message about what manhood means to you and how they should be thinking about their manhood moving forward. What yep. would you say? Whew. Gosh, the, the most important, we're all here to grow. That's what life's about and to follow a passion, um, whatever that may be, um, because at the end of the day, you, you can't die with material things. So all we've got is our experiences and we still, no one can, can try to explain what what exists what this existence is so the only thing that you've got left is this journey in this journey of life and on earth is to try to explore what it means to be alive as thoroughly as you can push yourself try to uh, experience every extreme emotion and enjoy it embrace challenge uh, embrace every obstacle that comes your way and try to grow as much as possible uh, and do what while doing what you love, mm. because I think that's the only thing that we have that gives us pure bliss. And and mm. and yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Does that does that uh, works for me? Does that work for you? Yeah, it works for me. But it does, it's not about what works for me. I'm just curious your your thoughts. You know, from your journey. Yeah, I mean that's experience. a big question. I mean, I I could you could go and start talking about what it means to be a man specifically, but it's not the same for. Every person. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's all different. Now, if you were connected to, and all the men took off the headphones, and now all the women in the world put on a headset, and you got to have 60 seconds to talk to all the, the ladies in the world, 
and they could understand you in their language or whatever. It's exactly the same thing. And you, the, the prompt is, what would you say to them about understanding the men in their lives? And the, and the best way to be supportive to the men in their lives. Well, that's the that's the <laughs> that's the greatest say? question in the world. Like men are from Mars, women are from Venus. I mean, we don't always understand and get each other, but that's the allure of being different, you know. And that's why I guess I'm attracted to um, my fiance. Maybe what she's is attracted back to me because. I don't know. I think, mate, the, the, some of the strongest thing, the strongest thing I ever did with my fiance was to sit down and eradicate any codependency between us. So, what would I say to to the girls in the world? I think it would be to le- allow your partner to to grow in his own way without judgment, um, because and see how every adversity that you guys might come. Um, you might might face can benefit you um, and vice versa I mean it might, it might sound confronting but my girl and I sat down and we actually we were in a, a, a position where we were quite codependent on each other and and um, feeling things like jealousy and all the rest of it mm-hmm. and the only way to let each other grow independently because you want two pillars right like to, to be able to grow you don't want to be dependent on that other person because that can be really suffocating for both parties so we worked out all of the benefits of, it sounds counterintuitive, of not being together until we both felt like we could take it, take the relationship or leave it. And at that point, you, this amazing thing happens. You decide you want to be together mm. because you don't feel strangled. You know that if it all collapsed tomorrow, you could you know, go walk away. Both of own. you could walk away and still be okay. And so when we both did that, we both realized that, uh, well, you know, we felt nothing but pure love and respect mm. for each other. And I guess the greatest thing for me was that my fiance never tried to change me. Um, and she was always, she realized we all have a unique set of values mm-hmm. and to not try to impose yours on someone else. And for her then to kick me out the door to go make this series was the greatest thing that, That's nice. that ever could have happened. Um, it was permission to be me. <laughs> permission to be yourself and I hope that I could do the same back to her mm, that's yeah. very nice why is it a few more questions for you why is it that um, society in general I feel like we need to prove manhood um, whereas I don't feel like it's as much for for women that they have to prove that they're a woman no and it isn't in the in a lot of these tribal cultures too I think probably if, if you go back to us being tribal, like fundamentally from our roots, we were men were always, the, you know, uh, we evolved so that we could defend our village or our clan or our tribe. So we would have to go through these initiation rites. Um, so there was a period of, of, of defense so mm-hmm. that we could not be scared to um, protect the girls. Uh, and have to go off and hunt and physically act, be able to go off and provide. Um, and I think that probably has carried through until today. So fundamentally, it probably is just in us that men feel like they need to prove mm. their 
prove themselves. Should we still have that nature or should we let it go since, you know, technology and other things have changed? Yeah, well, that's the million dollar question. Roles are reversing and all these other things. I mean, there's, there's still rites of passage in terms of football or team sports or things like that where guys have to put themselves through some sort of, um, in, like, initiation. Yeah. Um, and they, they emerge out the other side. But I think probably what would help even more would be some sort of ritual and ceremony greater rituals and ceremonies mm. around that mm. um, that are being lost. Mm. What, are you to what do you think about, you know, whether or not guys need to go through initiations <sighs> and lots of passage today? I mean, you're still doing it. Yeah. It's, I don't think we should have to prove to anyone else. With yourself. It's yes. all about. It's all about just yeah. being okay with who you are. And I think, in order to do that, you need to go through some type of ex- well, it, adversity challenge. I think it's important because at the end of the day, you, before you can give truly to somebody else, you've got to be cool with yourself. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, it's um, it's fruitless. It. Yeah, that's it. Um, are you playing? Are you hoping to have kids? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if I put my kids through the same rites of passage that I've done. What would you try? Uh, how would you try to raise your son if you had a son? Uh, all about like I think I'd probably sit, sit. I'd like if if I had a son or or a young girl, but um, probably more so a son would be to sit down and um, no both actually both sexes would be to sit down and every night talk about what scared them today and what were the benefits of that and what could they get out of that. Um, and try to breed, I guess, a mentality of not being frightened um, of anything, but it, trying to embrace that, mm. embrace that fear. I think that's the strongest legacy I could lead. That's smart. Leave. Yeah, I like it. Um, what's the thing you're most grateful for recently, Tim? Um, probably the challenge of, of like, most recently. Um Probably the challenge of coming here, but the show's about to be launched in the States on a network called El Rey. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's been, it's been a really exciting time for me because I'd spent two years making this series on the road and it was a lot of risk that I'd taken. Like also, I proposed to my fiancé before I left um, and I guess I'd walked away from my career and I'd risked physically you know, um, risked a lot of failure. I had a massive fear of failure. Mm-hmm. And I'd risked, um, you know, my, my life so many times. So coming here now uh, and having the show being seen by so many people around the world has been an amazing experience. Uh, and it's tested me <laughs> because I had that same fear probably that you did of being not being liked mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, so, and criticism. Um, so that's been a really cool thing for me to embrace sure. and realize that you can never ever please everybody you know you're always everybody is always going to have it's going to be a balanced 50 50 mm-hmm. um, percent of people that will like it and 50 percent of people that won't um, in everything and also realizing that there's a there's an innate balance that the universe gives in every situation and mm-hmm. every moment of, of your life uh, and that's probably another thing that i try to teach my kids to see that yeah. I understand that. Um, it's called The Three Truths. So if it was the last day for you, you can only share three lessons that you've learned. This is what you'd be remembered by. Are these three truths or lessons? What would you say are your three truths? 
could be about anything. It doesn't have to be about manhood or masculinity. Ooh, three truths. That the only way to grow is inward, is by looking inward. Um, that you should always pursue your your greatest passion, your bliss, follow your bliss. Uh, and that uh, our lives are innately, we all have a hero's journey within us that we have to follow um, and to embrace that journey mm. uh, for the roller coaster that is life, I think. Does that make sense? Of course, yeah, <laughs> of course. Um, um, I mean, I struggle. I, I, I told my fiance I wouldn't go here and talk about this, but I struggle with reality and what it means to be alive almost every day. Um, and the only solace I get is doing what I love. Yeah. So there you go. Because it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see where you're going. I see where you're going. Um, awesome. It's timnoonan.tv, correct? Yeah. Timnoonan.tv. You guys can check it out in the show notes. Watch the trailer. It's gonna blow your mind. Uh, watch the show. Um, connect with you on social media. It's all Tim. Yeah. Noonan. No. Just. Facebook slash Tim Noonan TV. And awesome. then, of course, check out the Rite of Passage uh, yeah. new TV show. Yeah, Ray. check it out. It's a game changer. Um, I want to acknowledge you for a moment, Tim, for going on a journey and tackling your biggest fears because most people don't do it. Not even men, but most men and women don't go and tackle their fears the way you did. And also doing it in a way where you could benefit it in multiple ways for yourself personally you were able to create a piece of art and work out of it. So you were able to sustain yourself. You are able to give back to the world by showing people what's possible for themselves through these rite of passage uh, episodes. So I feel like your journey was not just for yourself, but you did so many things along the journey. So I want to acknowledge you for that Thanks, and uh, for, for being so creative and tackling the things that are, you're most afraid of, because I think that's our biggest challenge is we're we're not so many people aren't willing to go after their fears enough and i think that's what's on the other side of the of fear is incredible joy fulfillment awareness yeah. love all those things so big props to you on there um and the final question is what's your definition of greatness uh being the best version of yourself that you can possibly be I think I, I'm, I'm yet to meet anybody that doesn't want to be a better person or at least try to be a better person. Mm -hmm. I think that's what binds us all. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's exactly that. <laughs> awesome. Tim, thanks so Thank much, you. man. Appreciate it. Thanks. Liz. There you have it guys. If you enjoyed this one, make sure to let me know, tag me on Instagram stories or Instagram feed. Twitter, Facebook, all those good places, at Lewis Howes. Let me know your thoughts. Post an image of you listening to the show or watching the show as I love to interact and connect with you guys on social media. Share it out with your friends, lewishowes.com slash 484. Again, I was fascinated by hearing the stories of the rituals and the tests and the initiations that Tim went through. So if you were as well, share it out if you think it will inspire men or women in your life. 
I'm so pumped for what we have coming up. Some big, big things. If you guys have not signed up for the Summit of Greatness, it's coming in a few months. Check out the incredible speakers we have coming at summitofgreatness.com. It's going to be a mind-blowing experience, and I hope to see you there. And as always, you guys know what time it is. Go live with passion. Pursue your dreams. Be good to people. And you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. At Metro, get an iPhone 12 with 5G and a dual camera system for $99.99. Take amazing pictures and share them instantly. And don't put up with life's yada yada. Yada yada. Like photo bombers. Zoom, crop out, yada yada. And bye. You don't take yada yada in life. Don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Get iPhone 12 with 5G with no activation fees and nada yada yada. Only at Metro by T-Mobile. Switch to Metro, bring your ID. This offer isn't available for customers currently at T-Mobile or that have been with Metro in the past 180 days.